almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 20 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm JP Rios. And we have a very interesting episode. I mean, it is still very much what uh, every episode is. However, the setting we are recording this is a little bit different. And we're on Zoom again because somebody tested positive for COVID-19. That's somebody being me. So if at any point there's any technical difficulties, we will try to minimize that. But you have been warned. Yes, the Golden Boot Podcast Quarantine Edition. With or without COVID, we keep going. We're not we're not like those uh, you know, football players who have to take a week off. We keep going in part because we're just like sent to isolation. But um, yeah, let's get right to this. We're gonna go overview with the Premier League, and I think the word and the name that is on everybody's mouths right now. Jesse Lingard, Jay Lings, the man I almost bought my jersey from. Uh, what do you think of Jesse Lings? Or what's the other name you'd like to call him? Well, obviously, there's Jay Lings, but he's now known as Messi Lingard. After <laughs> Can you believe that? He has two last names. It's, it's getting out of hand. Last na- it's not getting out of hand. It's just getting started, actually. <laughs> but Jesse Lingard... Um, I've been on the Jesse Lingard bandwagon for a while, um, obviously. I think that's pretty clear. And JP was almost on the Jesse Lingard bandwagon when he almost had to buy a jersey when we went to see United play in Manchester. But um, ever since he's moved to West Ham, incredible. I think he has eight goal contributions in eight games for the club. And this week against Wolves, West Ham won 3-2. He was the best player on the field. He scored an incredible solo goal from half, and uh, he had a Berbatov-esque spin on the um, on the end line to uh, assist. Um, I forget who it was, but he got an assist um, off of that turn, and uh, West Ham ended up winning. So Jay Lings, I mean, he basically owns the planet right now. It's yeah, it's I mean, it's very interesting. I I mean, I think everybody knew he had to leave United to finally find that run of form. I mean, I think, it, to be fair, in the point he was, there was nowhere to go but up. He was a rock bottom. Like, he could score one goal in, like, 15 games, and that's going to look 10,000 times better than what he was looking at, like, at United. But, yeah, I think nobody expected this. I Like, I'm loving it. Like, as much as I like to joke about Jesse Lingard all that time, I'm loving this. This is like fantastic to watch and i mean yeah west ham i think it's you know this is a little bit i'm not 100 percent sure i don't know if you know if uh it's uh they have the option to buy lingard after this or no yeah well i, I think they're definitely gonna try to buy them yes so i, I think they, i think there is an option yeah yeah but- and i think it's for everybody's you know, benefit. I don't think, I mean, I don't think if he went back to United, he's going to be as bad as he used to be before, but mm-hmm. I also like would see it much preferable for him to stay and as well. Like it, they added the, like the bonus clause on his contract if they made it to the, uh, to Europe. So, not I mean, yeah. So at this point, like if you pay that extra little amount of money for him, if you make it a Europe, might as well have him for when you're playing in Europe. So, and it works out for both parties in the end. I mean, well, three parties, I guess. Jesse Lingard, West Ham, and then United. 
So to, speaking about it, Jesse, he just doesn't fit Man United's system right now. I mean, he wouldn't start over Bruno Fernandes. And uh, Donny van de Beek is probably a, a better player technically than he is. Um, and obviously he has to compete with Paul Pogba um, for a role in the team. So I just don't think that um, he would play at United. So moving to West Ham was a great decision. And I think, you know, West Ham will definitely try to buy and that'll be great for them. You see all the success they're having. Maybe they can do something in Europe and in the league next year, which would be awesome. And then, um, yeah, it, it also works out for United because they're getting some money in return for Jesse Lingard. And uh, word on the street is they're trying to get like a swap deal to try to bring in Declan Rice. And we desperately need a CDM. I tried to watch Scott McTominay play today and I wanted to gouge my eyes out. Like it, it was bad. So um, we desperately need a CDM that will help us go forward and actually start attacking and playing good football. So I think it works out for everyone in the end. So good on you, Jaylings. Good on you. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different than the situation uh, Arsenal are in with uh, Odegaard, who Real Madrid have made it clear they're not going to sell to them. So as we said before, it's a lose-lose situation at this point for Arsenal. Which is is stupid. I mean, like, he's going to go back to Real Madrid, and yeah, he'll get game time, but he's not going to be – he's not going to really be, like, a key player for them. Whereas at Arsenal, he will be. I think it was more like they wanted him to show that he was still good. You know, like when you know you're going to sell a player, so you're just giving him like game time, like the last few games of the season for teams to actually see that he's still good. And then like his price tag going a little bit higher. That's the only way I could understand why Real Madrid won't sell him to Arsenal. But uh, still in the Premier League, you know, we see, as we said, Arsenal lose 3-0 against Liverpool. Uh, we can talk all we want about Liverpool and Liverpool fans can get gassed up about, you know, beating Arsenal 3-0. It's Arsenal. You know, it's not that surprising. What is surprising is Thomas Juhl's Chelsea getting battered 5-2 to two by a relegation zone team. <laughs> that is... Uh, it, uh, I mean... Sam Allardyce, right? <laughs> That's all we have to say. Sam Allardyce, and we can continue. We can move on to the next segment. But no, 5-2. This was just a wild game. Uh, I, I didn't watch all of the highlights, but I was watching a lot of the highlights during um, you know, the, the Premier League broadcasts this weekend. And just a wild game, everything that happened. Uh, Christian Pulisic scoring first goal of the game and then coming on at halftime and then walks on the field immediately turns around tells Thomas Tuchel that he can't play and then Timo Werner has to come in from the locker room get changed and run onto the field I mean just a crazy crazy team all around Thiago Silva got a red card but my oh my did a West Brown put on a performance yeah and even like if you just see when the goals were scored because Pulisic as you said he scored as a 27th and then in like the second minute of added time and the fourth minute of added time, like in the first half, they sc- West Brom scores twice. <laughs> and then they score 63 and then 68. So they were just like the moment Chelsea conceded, like you can see like the momentum shifted. And I mean, that's when you have to press on as a team. Like the moment mm-hmm. you score a goal, that's when you go for the second one. And I think West Brom did that perfectly. Sam Allardyce just yeah. pulled it out it- of the bag. When you see a scoreline like 5-2, you would think that the winning team would have would be the most dominant team on the field. But no, they had 33% possession. And they had over they had 
300 passes less than Chelsea. Chelsea had 581 and uh, West Brom had 297. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that, that is impressive, but you know, at the end of the day, I think the Premier League, we see Man City win 2-0 against Leicester. At this point, they have there's like they have one game played more than most of other team most of the other teams because Fulham, but it's a 14 point difference at this point. I I think it's pretty much settled. I think we all know City's going to win it at the end of it. As hard as that is for you to hear, yeah. I mean, I've accepted it at this point. I'm I'm rolling with the Europa League right now. Yeah, but now we're going to another top league where the I mean, the title race is basically over as well. Serie A, Inter Milan have eleven point have an eleven point lead. There's just a few games to go. Twenty nine games played at this point. So, yeah, this one's also almost settled. Milan Milan had it. They were so close for a while. They were leading it, and then just went off board. Yeah, they were. And I mean, I just love the resurgence that Serie A has made this season. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was never a Farmers League. It was never Liga and Uber Eats. But it was, <clears throat> in years past, like in the past decade, it really hasn't lived up to the same uh, level as the Bundesliga. And in some cases, uh, you know, La Liga with um, Barca and um, Real Madrid, and in some cases, Atletico Madrid. But I just love, I just love the comeback. Um, of Syria, in my opinion, it's the second best league in Europe, which makes it the second best league in the world right now. It's just so much fun to watch. And um, yeah, Inter, I mean, they made a really weird decision this week to change their logo. I think they have a beautiful logo and they've changed it to some crap logo. Um, but yeah, but besides that really bad change, and they also came out with a really horrible kit. Uh, you have to look it up. The jersey, absolutely terrible. And to, it's going to be matched with that terrible logo as well. But um, no, good on them. I'm happy to see Romelu Lukaku and Ashley Young do well. Christian Eriksen as well, get in there. Um, so yeah, just really good all around. Very happy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, as much as I'd like to see AC Milan be, you know, top of the league right now, it, it's also in one of those situations that Inter just have to throw it away completely. It's not as much as, like, Milan can win it. It's, like, Inter has to lose it. But, yeah, I think it's extremely tight. Like, if, yeah, I know it's an 11-point difference at the top, but from there on, Milan has 60 points, Juventus has 59, Atalanta has 58, Napoli has 56, Lazio has 52, Roma has 51, and then it drops off after that. But, you know, the competition for Europe and Italy is still very tight. I think it's going to be amazing. But I think, as always, when you see the two Milan sides fighting for control of, like, the Serie A, that's when you know the football in Italy is back to its best. And, you know, and that's to, what it was a few years ago. Yep. And that's what it is. And, and to have you right, right below there is even better. And before we before we transition, I must say, Federico Chiesa pulled off one of the craziest skill moves I've seen all year this week. So look I mean, Federico Chiesa has been on, on in form like for a while. He's incredible to watch. Sadly, he plays uh, for Juve, but <laughs> besides that, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, so we mentioned it a little bit before. It was not a farmers league like League on Uber Eats. Um, but speaking of League on Uber Eats, as much as we say it is a farmers league, Lille are now on top 
of the league, it's still one point difference. There's like not one point difference. It's a three point difference or one game difference over PSG. Who they beat this past week in uh, what was it? It was one nil. There's two red cards. One for Neymar at the 90th. One for Thiago Jallo at 90th with like in added time and in injury time, whatever you want to call it. But here's the thing with the Neymar one. Neymar not only got a red card, it was a second yellow. He like shoved Jallo, who was trying to cover the ball. But apparently his antics got too bad. The league on decided to suspend him for two games. Oh, fantastic. And those are, yeah, and those are two games like after this that they're going to have to play. And sure, I mean, right now they're going to be playing against, who is it, against Strasbourg and against Saint Etienne. And Saint Etienne have history. In Ligue 1, they are one of the most successful teams in France. But, you know, would you say they are, you know, the biggest challengers right now? They're in 15th. They're not. Yeah. In Strasbourg as well, they're in 13th. So, but still, they're going to be losing a key player who could make a difference, you know, for them as Leo, you know, try to run away for it with it. But yeah. and the- still. Hmm? No, you can go. Uh, I was going to say, it's still, it's still good to see. That, that Dominion PSG. And we saw it a few years ago when Monaco won the league, but it was still the Monaco. That Monaco team was basically the PSG team we have right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. Mbappe and all of them. Yeah, and all of these players will eventually leave and go somewhere else. But, um, yeah, the only thing that really excites me right now, Tim Weah, he might win the league. <laughs> USA, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That, 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 um, that's but, yeah. Sense on this, yeah. And now we're down to another league where the title race was. See, this is what I, what I mean when I say it wasn't Milan. It's not like AC Milan's to win. It's Inter's to lose. Yeah. It was Atletico Madrid's to win. La Liga was theirs. They, were, they could have been up by 14 points. They are up by one point with nine games left. Just one. That's Their entire lead has been like, and they've thrown it away. They're losing against easy team. I mean, yeah. obviously, not no team at this level is going to be easy. No. But with the form you're in, I mean, not even the form because they're in horrible form. But they could have like extended their lead, and they just like took it easy in a few games, made some mistakes. I mean, John Oblak a few weeks ago saved them by like saving a penalty in the last minute. Yeah. But that's not going to be enough. So, you know, title race in La Liga, back on track. Atletico, if I mean, listen, if Atletico wins the remainder of their games, they're good. They're in the clear. And if, you know, Real Madrid or Barcelona stumble, that works for them too. I mean, obviously right now, I think what Atletico is looking for this weekend is beating Real Betis and then having Barcelona and Real Madrid tie in the Clásico. Because, I mean, that would mean... Both teams just get one point. Barcelona is up to 66, and they keep, like, a three-point lead. Still, that's they, – they threw it away, but now we have El Clasico, which is – Yeah. Right now, it's for second place, but it's still amazing. Yeah, and it, 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 it's interesting that El Clasico, follow, like, follows right now when it's so close in the table because one of those teams it might lose. Um, which, you know, alters the standings a lot. And maybe even Sevilla can make a little bit of a comeback. And, you know, they're not totally out of it. So, um, yeah, it, it's just really interesting. I'm really looking forward to watching El Clasico 
um, this weekend. And I, I really hope Atletico wins um, the Liga this year. I, I've had enough of the Barcelona and Real Madrid dominance in Spain. And I, I've always loved Atletico Madrid, especially like watching them in the Champions League as a neutral. And I, I just really want to see them be successful. So I, I think, obviously, this is a great opportunity um, for them to show the world how successful they can be, even though, you know, they fell out of the Champions League this year. And yeah, and I've them that, that, that they're just as good, if not better, than Barcelona and Real Madrid, despite all of the stars they have on those teams. Yeah, and I think, like, they can pull it. They just need to execute and do it, like, properly. I mean, I think it's also... Uh, kind of funny because Barcelona are playing. They're out of the Champions League, but they have the chance to win the Copa del Rey yeah. uh, next week. Not this weekend, but next weekend. And yeah. if they win that, if Barcelona wins that, it's going to be the second cup final in a row that Athletic Bilbao are going to lose. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Also, shout out to Adnan Yenizek for winning your first um, your first trophy since leaving Man United. He won Copa del Rey last weekend, and <laughs> it's the quickest. <laughs> I actually think it's hilarious how they had the Copa del Rey final for last year, last weekend, and now, and now coming up, they're gonna have the 2021 final. You know, but you know what's the best part of this is there's one team that's playing both. I know that, that is that's good. what makes it even better. I know. I mean, like, good on you, but like, um, yeah, I, I think Barcelona, obviously, yeah, it's gonna win that. Yeah, but, I mean, unless Bilbao can pull it off. But now let's go to Bundesliga before we go into Europe. And Bayern beat Leipzig 1-0. Leon Skoretska scores, as uh, Thomas Müller likes to call him. And that puts Bayern seven points ahead. Lewandowski still out. Will he break Gerd Müller's record? At this point, we don't know because, you know, depends when he comes back and, and what kind of shape he comes back. But even though there's still a few games left, I think – and a lot of people think it pretty much seals the deal that Bayern will win again this uh, this season. Because, I mean, they're playing a few tough games. I mean, Union Berlin isn't the easiest. Wolfsburg has been in good form. Leverkusen has been decent. They're still playing Gladbach, which is always the bogey team. But yeah. I still, like, and I don't think anybody sees it. It was the game against Leipzig could be decider. And if Bayern don't, like, take their foot off the gas in the Bundesliga, this race is over. But, yeah, I mean... There is still some excitement in terms of uh, Europe. Dortmund's still fighting for that spot. They're in fifth place right now. And, you know, the top, like the other top four, so Leipzig, Wolfsburg, and Frankfurt are all in good positions. But that Dortmund-Leverkusen race for fifth place is going to be interesting, and we'll see if uh, they can stay in the Champions League. Because if not, that could mean losing Holland and other players. We don't know anything, but... Yeah, but yeah, that that that's my biggest takeaway when looking at the Bundesliga right now is um, Dortmund in fifth place in a Europa League spot is it, it, it's it's insane to think about. Um, when you just think about them for the past couple of years, they're they're a mainstay in the Champions League. They're always one of the clubs fighting for the top three spots in the Bundesliga. You know, for a while it was. Bayern Dortmund back and forth and you know now to see them fall a little bit while still in the Champions League um it's scary because they're up against Man City right now and you know they're they have 43 points in the Bundesliga 
which is seven points behind fourth place on track Frankfurt. Like the, the only way of getting into um, getting back into the Champions League would be winning the Champions League. And, you know, if they, if they can't manage to do that, which I don't think they will, they're going to get knocked out by City. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just looking scary, man. It's looking scary for them. It's, that can have a lot of yeah. repercussions for them. You know, Haaland leaving, potentially some other players as well, Jaden Sancho. Um, we'll see what Jude Bellingham decides to do. But, yeah, just huge repercussions. Yeah. And, like, obviously you have a few, like, young players who would stick no matter what. You got Yusuf Amokoko, who's been incredible. But, you know, obviously at that age, you're not going to leave because you're not playing Champions League. No, you're going to, like, tough it out a few years. Like, yeah. But, yeah, it is uh, decisive. So now we're going to stay with the German teams when we go into the Champions League, finally. So first game we're going to talk about, Bayern losing 2-3 to three against PSG. And... I mean, I'm just going to go off on this. I, If you see the game, this is a little bit of the situation, uh, and I don't want to seem like a sore loser, but the same situation that uh, Mourinho described, except this is accurate, the best team lost, uh, in terms of the chances created. Yes, I mean, Bayern just created like, all the chances they could. Like They had the ball for so much, and they created so many chances. And let's be honest, first goal is a huge mistake by Manuel Neuer. He should have had that. That could have changed the entire tempo of the game. Uh, still, Bayern's showing they can come back, but the need of Lewandowski is there. You need to have a striker who can finish off those chances. Yes, Chupa Moting scored, but this guy can't... Like, You give Lewandowski the amount of chances that Chupa Moting had last game, this would have been like 5-3 or like worse. Absolutely. So even if it's like moving Thomas Mueller up as a like almost as a false nine or a number nine, or I understand that they didn't have Gnabry and whether or not they'll have Gnabry for the second game is still depending on how his like COVID test comes back yeah. and you could pluck him in as a, as a number nine. And that would be way better than having Chupa Moting in there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Lewandowski is like a game changer. And I, if you see the body language and you see the attitude of all the Bayern players after the game, it wasn't reminiscent of what, you know, Liverpool players did last season in which they were basically taunting Atletico Madrid like oh you're celebrating this like it's over no like the like what in the interviews and everything the mindset seems to be this sucks we lost we should have like probably won with the amount of chances we created like tough luck let's move on and let's focus that we we can try and win the next game and make sure we win that but Mm -hmm. it's not like an overconfidence of like we're better than you it's like we're in a tough situation, but we think we can, like, we know we can, like, tough this, like, fight through this. So that kind of gives me a little bit of, like, you know, tranquility, but also I know it's football. Anything can happen. Yeah. You're in the, yeah, but yeah. Football bloody hell, right? But um, yeah, I, to, to your point, what you were saying before, um, I would, if I were in uh, Bayern shoes, I would play. Thomas Mueller in a false nine role, but as you mentioned, with Serge Gnabry out, you don't, you don't really have anyone there behind him to um, you know make up for that because you would need three midfielders behind him um, and two, two players out wide. And we've seen him do it before for Germany. We've seen him do it with Bayern before at times as well. But yeah, Chupo Moting is not a replacement for Lewandowski. In fact, no one is a replacement 
for Robert Lewandowski. He's the best player in the world right now, uh, or at least just the best forward, the best striker. And there, yeah, there, there's no replacing him. It, it's unfortunate that he's going to be out for a while. Um, yeah. yeah, I do, mean, do you see PSG going through to the next round? I think here's the thing. They did the same thing against Barcelona, which like they seemed so comfortable in the first game. Yeah. Like they knew what they were doing. And against Barcelona, they just like, they froze. Yeah. They're like that. I don't know if the team is mature enough to manage the second leg. I don't. I, I, and I think that, yeah. I think that's what like was a game changer last season. That's why they made it to the final. And because it was all like this game and that's the decider. And against Barcelona, you saw how they struggle in that like second game. They didn't seem to be as dominant and they're going to be very well aware of this. Like they're going to go into this knowing that, but if they were like, they seemed shaky when they had like a two goal lead, like against Barcelona, I like could see them losing in second leg, but I mean, you know, they're two very good teams right now. So it's always going to be tough. So it's hard to tell who's going to win, but I mean, obviously I'm hoping Bayern. Yeah, the only good thing about that second leg for them is that it's going to be home. Uh, hopefully, there won't be any snow, even though the snow ended up picking up for them. And yeah, uh, yeah, and, and Mbappe obviously just proving it again against the best team in Europe right now. Um, yeah, it, it's unpredictable. Like you, you never know. He can go off, score a hat trick, and single-handedly do what Lewandowski does for Bayern, but do it for PSG. But you, you don't know. And I, I think this one's too close to call right now. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think PSG is mature enough, and I, I just don't think they're as good as Bayern. But, um, you know, with Lewandowski out and other Bayern injuries, like Serge Gnabry, um, Leon Goretzka had to leave um, the game early. I don't know um, the extent to their injuries and how long they're going to be out for. But if that carries into the next leg, um, you know, I could very well see – PSG like sneak their way into the next round. I'm not going to say deservedly, because if they if Bayern's at full fitness, PSG didn't even have a chance in the first game. But yeah, I can see them sneaking their way into the next round if if that is the case. Yeah, I mean we just have to wait and see what happens next week. But going to the other German team in the Champions League in the same side of this, Dortmund lose against Man City two one. They didn't lose. But they were robbed. It was robbery at broad daylight. Oh it was it was a good game. It was a very good game, but that Bellingham's goal, that daylight. I don't understand. Man, I, I just I just as you said. Um yeah, for, for those of you who didn't watch the game or didn't see any of the highlights, Jude Bellingham, man, this 17-year-old kid, you know, doing his thing. Um he he's he's going for a loose ball. It's between him and Ederson, City's goalkeeper. And uh, the ball's in the air a little bit. So he goes uh, with his studs to take the ball down. And he takes it down cleanly, doesn't touch Ederson. And Ederson, who goes in for the tackle, um, kind of like clipped Jude Bellingham and then like went down like screaming and pretending that he got fouled. And he did, and Jude Bellingham didn't even touch him. And he scored an, an empty net. But the ref called a foul on Jude Bellingham. Uh, during the play, so you know, couldn't be reviewed. Can't really overturn that. I mean, it could have been reviewed. It could have been overturned, but they didn't go to VAR. That's the other. That's the other um, daylight robbery that they didn't go to VAR. But you know, yeah. So mm, City, City were lucky. Uh, Phil Foden had so many chances to score that game. He could have had a hat trick himself 
and he only scored at the end. A very scrappy goal. Um, so they're very lucky to get a draw out of this, I think. I mean, I mean, not a draw. They're very lucky to win. Yeah. Very and... not to come away with a draw. That's what I meant. There we go. Those are the technical difficulties. Um, but yeah, no, I think here's the thing. They should have gone to VAR because I understand that if you call the foul before the ball went in, okay, technically not a goal, but that's still a goal situation. You need to let that go. You need to go to the VAR. This is like, that's what it's there for. That's why we need it for these kinds of situations. So use it in those situations. I understand not using it for some random thing to happen, but this is like a game changing moment. Like this is when you need it. So, yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. And, and my other takeaway from this game, I'm not. <laughs> my other takeaway is that Erling Haaland can't do it all by himself. He had one solid opportunity where um, I believe it was Jude Bellingham played him a third ball and in all alone, um, he single-handedly like pushed Ruben um, Ruben Diaz to the ground, and still had um, the chance to score, but he was off balance and couldn't get it past Ederson, who was rushing out. But he can't do it all by himself to save the Dortmund team in the Champions League and in the Bundesliga. So um, yeah, and it's also interesting um, after the game, him and Phil Foden were getting ni- nice and comfy next to each other. They had a nice hug and they. Um, we're talking to each other with their hands over their mouths as they walked off the field. So, um, yeah, could he be going to City? Um, it looks I mean, like I, th- I think that's one of those things that's it could be, but at the same time, it could be anything. I know. Um, I know. But, yeah, so, yeah, let's go to the other important, huge game we all watch, Chelsea-Porto. Uh, Chelsea win 2-0. That's our summary. Thank you very much. Now, <clears throat> it's this was okay. So I watched this game because you were watching the Man City against Dortmund one. Uh, not uh, it wasn't on purpose. It was just I couldn't watch the Man City versus Dortmund one. Um, Real Madrid. This was easy. This like it looked so easy for Real Madrid. It looked like I was watching. It wasn't the best game, but it looked like I was watching Real Madrid when they won like the Champions League back to back three years in a row. Like, that's what it looked like. And this is, yeah, this is, like, this Real Madrid is probably one of the worst Real Madrids yeah. I've seen in a while. And for them to look like this just tells you how Liverpool played. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, Tony, uh, Tony Cruz is like, that was an easy win, obviously. Um, you obviously had the, you know, post-match uh, phrase from Jurgen Klopp where he said, uh, what was it, that, when they go to Anfield, even though it's there's no fans, at least it's a proper stadium. Yeah. Like, my man, you could play anywhere. The grass is the same level. The field is the same level. You're just trying to make excuses again. Please just stop. I, I was talking to my friend, uh, Cade, who was on the podcast the other day. Told him about that. He was like, I'm just done with all these excuses. Like, it's just nonsense. But one, one, one thing you can't make an excuse for is Trent Alexander-Arnold's performance. Uh, he gave away. No, no, no. Yeah. He gave away two goals. Uh, the, the first goal, an incredible ball from Tony Kroos. Tony Kroos looked like the best midfielder on the planet with that ball. What a what a through ball! Uh, 
to send Vinicius in. And it landed right on his chest and all alone. But Trent Alexander-Arnold, as pointed out by Jamie Carragher, very animatedly, animatedly, I don't think that's a word, but he was very animated when describing all the things that Trent Alexander-Arnold did wrong. Um, yeah, like you see Tony Kroos with the ball, picking his head up, looking, and then you put, his, put your head down. Any professional footballer, whether you're forward, a midfielder, or a defender, you don't even have to be a professional. When a midfielder, specifically Tony Kroos, puts his head down, he's about to send the ball, Trent Alexander-Arnold is just stands there. He's like, oh, this isn't my job. Why am I supposed to work Vinicius? And then the ball actually comes that way, and he's like, oh, I have to do my job. I have to defend. And by that, part, by that point, it's already too late. Um, and he's through on goal. And then the other one, he just gave the gifted the ball to uh, Asensio. It, it was a great diving header, though. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? A beautiful diving header right into the path of Asensio. Fantastic. Like, f- for a second, I, I like, tuned, like, completely uh, zoned off for a second. And then I heard, like, Asensio had the ball, and I was like, who put this beauty of a pass? And then I saw the replay. I was like, dear Lord. Um, yeah, he's been – and there was a lot, like, not a lot, but some complaints about – Trent Alexander-Arnold not making it to the England squad the last uh, international break. Why would you want to put him And I understand some people were going off the, uh, what's his name? Gareth Southgate was like being a bit harsh on him. But when you're putting displays like that, I'm sorry, but at this point it's not about your feelings. It's about who's the best for the team. Trent Alexander-Arnold is not the best. He's never been the best defensively. No, no. And, Obviously not, no. I don't think there's been, like, much of a doubt, no, about whether he's, like, he's good. Like, he has he puts in good crosses. He's a good, like, fullback going up. He's not, like, the best defensively, and that's what you want. And, yeah, it was it was a atrocious display. So, Vinicius scores twice. <laughs> I, I, I did not know this man could score once. Oh, I saw him score twice on the same day. I It was, like, otherworldly. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing with Liverpool. We're going to talk. They beat Arsenal 3-0. But as I said at the start, it is Arsenal. Arsenal are prone to just like losing for, you know, for fun. Yeah. Some teams love winning. Arsenal sometimes teams loves losing. So, and can they do come back in Anfield? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so. And just to touch on Trent again, because... You know, the discussion about Liverpool is, is over. I think Real Madrid has this in the back. But um, to touch on Trent one more time, I, I think you're going to miss Virgil van Dijk behind him. I mean, yeah, you said it perfectly. He is a very offensive-minded fullback. He is great on the ball, off the ball, when he has to defend atrocious as of late. And um, I think having Virgil van Dijk behind him, he knows that he can go forward and, you know, maybe not be so um, strict defensively and have to be responsible in those areas. And he can let a player go past him and Van Dyke will just take him out. And without that, I mean, it's just showing Virgil Van Dyke is the key to this Liverpool team. Yeah. And I mean, I know they're going to have him back for next season, but like whether or not the damage is too great at this point, like we'll see because that just like changes the whole view of the team. I know they need him, but same like same time, it's if you can't perform at all. Because sure, Bayern without Lewandowski, they lost for the first time in like years, like in a year. 
against PSG, but they were still in the game. They just needed that one, like, you know, decide like the X factor. But for Liverpool, it's just it's crumbling to pieces. There you have no, and it's not to say Bayern has the best like defense like in Europe. They don't, but still they seem to be like much more solid than whatever Liverpool is trying to piece together. But that is enough of the Champions League. We're going to the greatest tournament of all time in the world, the Europa League. Uh, we're going to start off just reading you a few of the scores. We have two games we want to talk a little bit more. But uh, Villarreal beats Dinamo Zagreb 1-0. Uh, I hope Villarreal wins all of this so uh, Unai Emery gets another Europa League to his name. And then Arsenal tie against Slavia Prague in a very tight game. So let us go to your to the love of your, your life, Manchester United. Yeah, so Man United, um, they're the favorites to win this entire tournament right now. But... Yeah, they, they kind of played today like they expect to win and that they don't really have to try. And they beat Granada 2-0, but the only reason they beat Granada today was because they have better players. They did not play because they played a better style of football. They did not play because the football – I mean, they did not win because the football was pretty. They only won because they have the better players. And at the end of the day, um, it was just such a sloppy game. Um, Granada was just they started off very strong they almost scored in like the first minute which freaked me out um, but yeah it, it, it clearly frustrated United players because United couldn't get anything going because Granada was just pressing them and pressing them and pressing them whenever they were on the ball even then um, their defensive third Granada would be pressing the ball so United can't play out of the back or Agba can't turn in the midfield and play it forward um, and it, it really got to United, and United um, gave up four yellow cards, um, I think actually five, and now four players are out of the next match, the, the second leg. Luke Shaw, who is arguably the best player on our team right now because Bruno Fernandes is not in form. Um, so Luke Shaw, we, we were losing him for the next match due to yellow card. Uh, we're, we're losing Scott McTominay, is that a terrible thing? I don't think so. Um, yes, it is. Yeah, we're also using, losing the Manja Matic. And uh, Harry Maguire picked up the yellow card. I'm not sure if he's exactly out for the next match or not, but um, because th- this was just due to accumulation. And I'm not sure if he accumulated a lot of yellow cards over the tournament yet. But um, he also has a yellow. He could or, could, uh, or may not be out for the next match. But, yeah, just shocking football, really, from United. Um, it's not an ollie out kind of situation, um, and by any means, because, you know, we're in second in the league and we're on track to win this tournament, which is, you know, great, but something needs to change in the, in the locker room on the training fields. Um, just something, I don't know exactly what it is. I've been listening to a lot of, um, United podcasts a lot of I've been watching a lot of United um, YouTube channels and reading a lot of articles and you know I just I, I don't know what it is but something needs to change and I, I think it'll happen this summer when we make a lot of moves but anyway that, that, that's enough about about uh, United let's get into another exciting Europa match which is you look at this match and you this is this is something in, in years past years would be a championship match 
Roma Ajax. I mean, that that that, that just that's just beautiful. Amsterdam against Rome, just beautiful, and two great teams, um, rich in history. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was gonna say just before we leave Man United, it is uh, it's Luke Shaw, Scott McTominay, Harry Maguire, both are all not both all sus- uh, suspended. Um, but it's, it's great news for you. Uh, Roma against Ajax. Roma win. Obviously, we were on different sides of the aisle for this one. Um, yeah, I mean, it was still an evenly. I know, like uh, Ajax had like more of the ball. They had a few more shots on goal, but if you watch the highlights, like both of them created very like good opportunities, and both of them like were on the game. I think, you know, it's a similar situation, not completely the same in the Bayern and like uh, PSG one, but it's one of those that it's still very tough to call. It, they're still very evenly matched. I think, you know, City has been extremely competitive, which does put a little bit of a drain on your players, but it also keeps you like on your toes you know you have to do like you have to play well you know you have to do the things like as good like as close to perfect as you can and you have ix as well right now you know in their own like in their own zone they're like been doing pretty well it's a little bit different they are like almost like in full nine points above second place PSV in their league, but they also know they can't but that also gives them like a little bit of a chance to like maybe not be you know, as tired as Roma with Serie A is like being as intense as it is this season, but still, you know, Roma going to this for the two goal, two away goals, one like goal advantage, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. I think Roma can like, just like, just see it out. But at the same time, Ajax is a very good side. And I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. They're, they're both very too close to the match teams, very evenly matched. Um, yeah, it, it is close to call. Ajax um, could very well come back. I can see that. But, um, yeah, I, I don't really have a prediction for this. Um, before before the match, I would have said that the next round, semifinal, is going to be United versus Ajax. Um, I guess I still stand by that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what uh, Ajax can do in Rome. But those those two away goals to Roma come in clutch. Yeah, and I mean, also you gotta take into account that Ajax face. You know, they're playing the second leg on Thursday, and then that Sunday they have a cup final. Uh, only reason I know this is because Vitesse is playing Ajax in that cup final. So <laughs> we'll see how how that goes down. But okay, so we're done with the news. We're gonna go to our last talking point: Holland versus Mbappe. Um, this was your question, so I'll let you read it. So, yeah. Um, this is a question I actually thought about today. I was watching a United um, YouTube video, and um, obviously United's been linked with Aland for so long, and uh, the guy who was talking, Mark Goldbridge, was like, why would you want to buy Aland? Why would we buy a number nine when we can't even get the ball up the field? Like, we, we, we can't do anything in the midfield we can't get the ball forward at all. So why are we looking to buy a number nine? Um, so that got me thinking about um, Alan and Mbappe and where they fit because Alan wouldn't fit into our team. And uh, judging both of their performances this week, Alan proved he couldn't do it all himself against City. 
whereas Mbappe proved he can do it all against Bayern. So my question is, if you're the manager of a team looking to buy a forward this summer, who would you pick? In- I mean, if you're asking me, I'm still going to go with Holland. I think, sure, we saw that, you know, Mbappe scores twice against Bayern. Uh, Holland, I mean, he gave an assist against uh, for Marco Rossi against uh, City. But if, like, if we're just going like Bayern and Bayern, like the last time they played, Holland scored twice. He couldn't do it all by himself, but he scored twice. And Dortmund weren't out of the game until he got subbed off. And let's be honest, yes, Mbappe scored twice. Like, we can't take any goals away from him, but that first goal should have been easily saved by Manuel Neuer. And it's very easy to base him off of, like, you know, they played against the same team. But in general, I think Mbappe has, and I think it, like, you know, maybe it's just my personal opinion, but he has that the problem of playing with Neymar so much. You have that, like, lack of maturity that, you know, like, kind of a diva personality that Neymar has just rubbing off on him. You know, sometimes he's a great player. There's no doubt about it. That's what we're talking Haaland or Mbappe. But I think Haaland has more of that, you know, mentality that it's always, you always have to win. Well, Mbappe, sometimes you see him just like slack off and be like, it's fine, next game, whatever. And Haaland, like, I I don't, it wasn't Champions League. It was a league game. <laughs> There's, he assists or he just like watched the goal go in, something like that. And this man's body language, like, it seemed like he just won the World Cup final. He was freaking out. It was just, like, some random goal they scored. And I think, for me personally, I if I was coaching, I'd want not only a player who can score and, like, you know, play extremely well, which both of them can do that, but just it's the mentality and the personality. That's why I'd go with Holland. But I also do understand if you want somebody to create, you know, more chances out of scratch, maybe you want Mbappe. But if you want a finisher, you want Holland. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, obviously, I would love United to buy either one of these players, and I don't think we're going to get either of them. So that's fantastic. I, I, I'd rather have uh, my team buy both, so that that would be great, guys. I, I feel like your team can buy both of them. So no, but we don't have space. Yeah. Anywho, that wraps up today's segment, guys. But because we are in quarantine right now and have nothing else to do, we'll have another episode coming. Uh, this weekend, uh, we're going to record a special segment. It's not going to be the news or anything. Uh, we have something very exciting planned. So stay stay tuned for that. It's going to be fun. Uh, me versus JP in a little challenge, kind of like uh, the best 11 of all time that we did last week. It's going to be something similar to that. So stay tuned for that. And thank you guys once again for listening. 20 episodes already, JP. Can you believe that? That, that is a lot. We We talk too much, I think. We do talk too much. We talk way too much. And what a better way to celebrate it than in quarantine. But anyway, guys, thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Don't get COVID like JP. Don't be exposed to COVID um, by like, you. like I was. And yeah, um, be smart. Anyway, I'm Chris Williams. And I'm JP Rios. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time.